All right, good morning, you guys. If it's your first time here, welcome to Rock Harbor Church. I'm Frank Montoya. I'm the associate pastor here at Rock Harbor. Um, if you guys came to see Pastor Brandon, he is not here. He is a, at a prophecy conference in Seattle, so he's out there doing that. But do not be disappointed. We have a special guest speaker with us today. His name is Brad Dacus. He is the founder and chairman of Pacific Justice Institute. So what he does is he fights for religious freedoms um, and parental rights, and he's really on the forefront for us, for our freedom. So he is a good ally to have in our corner. Um, Brad uh, served uh, with the um, served as assistant, legislative assistant to the U.S. Senator uh, Phil Graham. Uh, he also has a, a degree from, actually, it's a doctorate degree, right, in law. Yeah, so that's top-notch stuff, right? Good stuff to have that type of person in our corner fighting for us. And uh, he has a show uh, five days a week, Monday through Fridays, on his channel.com. You can find him there. You can also hear him weekly, uh, Dacus Report, and he's on over 711 channels, so you can find him there as well. So without further ado, please welcome Brad. Uh, now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what's a lawyer preaching for? I, this is, doesn't make sense. And we lawyers get teased all the time, and we're always attacked all the time. Good to see you guys this morning. All the time. And um, so I just want to set the record straight uh, for, for lawyers once and for all. It's the 99% out there that give us 1% of bad reputation. That's good. Very good. Some of you were just like, yep. <laughs> well, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, exciting to be here, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. Uh, let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the freedom that you've given us to be able to, to come together in your name uh, for your purpose. Father, we, uh, we thank you that you're on the throne, that we can put our hope and our trust in you in all things, always, no matter what we're facing as individually or collectively or as a nation. Father, we uh, pray for your Holy Spirit now, Father, to speak through your word. Uh, Lord God, it's, uh, it's all about you. It is all about you. And we ask for you to, uh, to do your work now. And, uh, and through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you at times in life have felt that, um, you know, you're, you're, everything's going crazy and then you finally reached a point where you're on cruise control? Where like, finally, everything is like, <sighs> nice, you know, you're cruising along. And then what happens when that, you reach that point in your life where you're finally on cruise control? You know what, what happens? Suddenly there's a big cow in the middle of the road and you have to go left or right or have lots of hamburger meat. And you know that line works much better in Texas. But anyway, <laughs> so that's what happens. Uh, and that's what happened to me. It was back in 1997. Uh, I was the Western Regional Coordinator for an organization back east called Rutherford Institute. And I'd opened an office for them five years prior to that in Sacramento, California, and everything was going fine. I developed an attorney network. Um, we're handling lots of cases, helping lots of people, defending religious freedom, parents' rights, sanctity of life. And I thought, this is great. And then what happens? I get a call from the organization saying, Brad, we're having to um, close down the regional offices, um, including yours. 
But don't worry, we have a promotion for you. Once you head up our public affairs office in Washington, D.C., you'll be the media point man for all of our cases, all of our litigation across the United States. And uh, you'll represent us in the nation's capital, have a higher pay, larger staff, larger salary. Of course. So I you didn't have to pray about this because obviously God was closing one door, opening another one. So you don't have to pray about those. Yeah. Yeah. Then I had insomnia. The next night I had insomnia. The next night I had insomnia. Finally, I realized, oh, shoot, I got to pray about this. Now, why did I not want to pray about it? I'll tell you why. And maybe some of you can relate to this. So when I have to pray, when they get these situations and I pray and there's a fork in the road, um, and there's an easy way, and then there's this difficult way requiring faith, guess which way I'm almost always convicted to go? The hard way. <laughs> I wish it was the easy way. It's the hard way. So in the back of my mind, I didn't want to pray because I was afraid I'd get the, the, the hard way. And I was convicted. And, um, and it, was, it was like the, I went to pray about it. And, and the Lord put on my mind uh, this question, which is, Brad, what desires have I put on your heart? It was real clear. And I don't get those kind of like inter- interventions like on a daily basis, you know. And, you know, Lord, should, should I get hamburger or steak? Oh, steak. Okay, you know. But there's sometimes in life, though, when the Holy Spirit just needs to penetrate. And uh, this was one of those times. And so I said, okay, God, I can, all right, I'm convicted. Uh, I'm going to stay here. I'm in the West Coast. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to follow your leading. I'm going to respond and, and on several conditions. Because um, I was scared. And... Uh, and, I, and sometimes we don't, we think, well, you know, if, if God knew how, how fearful I was about this, he, well, yeah, he does know. And he wants us to, to put it on the table. He wants us to be honest with him. Uh, in fact, where do you go in the Bible when you want to be encouraged? What, where do you read if, when you want to be lifted up? Psalms, right, Psalms. So you go to Psalms and you go, okay, here's Psalms. That's right. Go, Ooh, not this one. Ooh, not this one, not this one. Ah, this one. We're all guilty of being psalm flippers. Now, why are we psalm flippers? We're psalm flippers because David was a man for God's own heart. David put it all on the table through the Holy Spirit. And that's the same way God wants us to put it all on the table. So that's what I was doing. I says, God, just a few little requirements because um, I want to make sure this is from you. Uh, I need to have free office space and definitely donated in Sacramento, California free computer system. Keep me on the radio stations for free. There were two at the time that interviewed me weekly. Uh, we have to be in the blackout in just three months. And I'm never going to charge anyone for any work we ever do. I thought it was very reasonable with my business model. <laughs> and uh, God uh, took it and ran with it and boom, 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 boom. And in fact, okay, I'll tell you, I didn't tell the other service, services. I'll tell you this quick story about the office space. So, we're in our last month of our lease there for Rutherford in that office space. Lease is expiring. So I thought, I told this to God, I need free office space indefinitely. In Sacramento. I thought, I don't have to tell anyone because I told God it's going to happen. He's going to give me the office space. I don't have to tell anyone. Now, I had an attitude like Jonah. I had my bags packed. They were in the boat. I was going to flee Nineveh. I mean, I was like, yeah, okay, technically, but you know. And then I get this call out the office, out of the blue, someone who I didn't know says, yeah, um, 
I just, uh, I heard you needed free office space. I have free office space for you. Now, I hadn't told anyone, okay? So what are the odds, right? So what's, what is this? And so instead of saying, oh, thank you, Lord, praise the Lord. No, I said, how'd you know I needed office space? Okay, because I have a flea Nineveh mindset, okay? And, and he says, uh, and before he can respond, my secretary, here's my voice tone. And she's like, oh, uh, put him on hold, put him on hold. I said, oh, okay, can I put you on hold? Okay, great, yeah. Yes, what, what, Pamela? She goes, well, um, wonderful assistant, but if you, if you knew Pamela, this is not what you were expecting. She goes, well, um, yeah, you, you don't know this, but before we knew that they were going to be closing down our office here, um, I, uh, I, I know you always like to save money, and I knew the, the lease was going to be expiring, so I thought I'd surprise you, and I called KYCC Radio and asked them to put a free public service announcement uh, for free office space for us. And I'm looking, if you knew Pamela, you'd be going like, yes, we need office space. And it's just how God moved and he raised it up. And what's really neat when you get in ministry is God teaches you sometimes a hard way. But first I thought this was going to be Brad's ministry. Serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what God taught me? No, this is God's ministry and by his grace and mercy he presently has brad dacus participating at this time <laughs> a lot of freedom comes when you realize it's not your baby it's it's all about him what he wants to do and uh no matter where we are in life it's there's a lot of freedom that comes with that so anyway so we have uh we have challenges in life and what's really exciting is how god's word equips us with these challenges and specifically, um, but the challenges that we're going to face in the last days. Uh, so turn, if you will, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy. Or you know what? Don't bother turning. I'm, I'm a lawyer. Just trust me. <laughs> Y'all got that one. That was good. That was good. Um, I did once said that to a church. They didn't get the joke, and they were more like, you know, anyway. So I think, it was a, I think it was a church that wasn't used to humor. I think that's why they didn't, didn't take it. So, all right. Um, so what's great about this, 2 Timothy is the last book that Paul writes. And so this is in the, you know, the, in the last half of the last book that Paul writes. And it's also right before he's about to die. And he says he's about to die. So he's about to die. The last book, the last half, he's about to die. And... He's written it specifically, I believe, to us because it says in verse one, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So this, I believe, is really addressed to us. He's on his about to die, last book, to us. What does he say? Verse, uh, verse two, for men will be lovers of themselves. Do we have that in our societies? Narcissistic? Yeah, really simple. Um, when you have a cell phone and you're going to take a picture, do you take a Yui, a they, even an Ussy? No, it's a selfie, right? Multiple selfies, okay? Um, also, then it says, lovers of money. Boy, I felt so convicted about this. I sold one of my three yachts. No, <laughs> that's a joke, but... If I ever if I preach near Newport Beach, I may cut that part out. I don't know, maybe too close to home. But uh, 
you know, lovers of money where we're obsessed with it. It's what we want. It's what we live for, right? Oftentimes, boasters, proud, blasphemers. These are all things about putting ourselves as, our, as God. Instead of recognizing God, we're, we're recognizing ourselves, elevating ourselves. Um, I remember when I was in law school, I did I distributed these these surveys doing evangelism in a law school. <laughs> That's interesting, interesting challenge I discovered. Uh, because in normal, you know, college evangelism, you do these surveys, say how certain are you to go to heaven, and if they said a hundred percent, you'd say ah, they know the answer. And the next question is, if you died today, and Peter said, why should I let you into heaven? The people who said 100% would then say, because I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Well, in law school, at the University of Texas, a third of those who, ch- who said 100%, their answer to St. Peter was, because if you don't let me into heaven, I'll start my own heaven and be my own God. A third of those who put 100%, that was their response. That's what I said. I thought, oh, this is good. These are our future lawyers and politicians. But it's that attitude of just blasphemy and pride against God. Disobedient to parents. Um, now, we all have seen teenagers and how they pull away in a natural way. And, um, and that's, that's normal. I've had some teenagers myself. What we're talking about here is kids who are they're turning away from the teachings of their family into something else. Uh, we have a historical proportion right now in an, an unbelievable rate. We have a whole generation coming up and they're in the fastest growing religion is no longer Christianity or Islam or Hinduism or even atheism per se. You know what the, the fastest growing religion is? It's nothings. Nothing. You say, so what do you believe? Oh, I don't really believe in anything. But whatever you believe is fine. That's great. Oh, wonderful. You're a Christian. Oh, you're whatever. Yeah, I just, you know. Like, no, I just don't really believe in anything. It's like, that, that's where we're at. And the sad thing is that with that becomes, they also have no purpose. And if they have no purpose, um, people who do not have purpose statistically are much more prone for depression. And even suicide, because there's no purpose. God made us to need a purpose. He put that in us. And faith and the exercise of faith is, is, is a response to that need for purpose. And that purpose is complete in Christ and who we are in Christ. Uh, unthankful. What's a synonym for unthankful? Entitlement. Of course, we never hear that word, do we? Entitlement. I'm entitled to have all my student loans paid for. Why? Where does that come from? You can have a higher higher pay than people who don't have a college education. Where does that come from? Just it's all you know. It's just that that self orientation. Unthankful. Unthankful. I hope they never change Thanksgiving to be Entitlement Day. I, I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> it just really mess up that holiday. Okay. Unthankful. Unholy. Unholy is what. That's being separate from God, who is holy and righteous in all things, right? We're not. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Um, do you hear about that, that politician who uh, said something wrong and he apologized and the other politician says, I accept your apology. Let's work together. 
Oh, um, oh yeah, I remember I woke up. It was a dream. But uh, we have, it's, it's so intense, much more intense. There's not even the semblance of, of that. It's just, it's very, very vicious. Uh, doing e- illegal things, criminal things to create false impressions, false information um, to attack. And it's just um, shocking, shocking from a historical perspective. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. Now, when I was raised a child, self-control was a good term, Right? It's good to have self-control. Brad, eat your vegetables first. You, get, you don't get your ice cream till you eat your vegetables, right? And I love ice cream. You know, in, fact, in fact, I had ice cream last night at, what's it called again, Rose? Rosemary's Family Creamery. Rosemary's Family Creamery. It's awesome, okay? So I have this, but even as a child, I knew that, you know, you first, you had your vegetables, Right, you had to exercise self-control, and I did have some self-control. I had two scoops. Do you remember that? Okay, just give myself some credit here. But the reality is, our society today doesn't doesn't applaud self-control. No, it doesn't, does it? In fact, self-control instead. What the attitude is is, in fact, we've all been brainwashed. Because here, you're going to repeat what I the rest of it. If it feels good, do it. Right. It's not. Exercise self-control. And in fact, the attitude of our society is, if you have desires to do something, that's who you are. Just do it. But that means that's what animals do. We're not animals. God's given us a conscience and a mind to say no and to identify things as wrong and sin, right? And through the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, we can actually have victory over these, these temptations and compulsions, <clears throat> but our society today mocks those who even in any way advocate self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, <clears throat> not complacent towards good or it's a, you know, uncaring about good. No, despisers of good. Uh, growing up, I remember how um, there were two kinds of people. There were those who went to church and there those who'd be knowing that they should be going to church. The pastor, you know, last last night, Saturday night, I just had one brisky too many. But next Sunday, I'll be I'll be in there, you know. That was sort of what I remember. And now you have two groups, those who are followers of Jesus, and then you have a large group in our society today, according to the polls, that despise followers of Jesus, despise places like this. So much so we have to have security. We have to have people... Uh, with uh, concealed weapons. The average church has at least two or three in the, uh, uh, with concealed weapons. And I don't know who you are, but I'm glad you're here. I'm just saying. So, but it's where we are in our society today. Despisers of good. Other examples of that is some of our, our cases. I'll just give you some examples. I never thought that our churches would ever be shut down, right? Much less the last ones to open. Uh, but that's what happened. And when the churches were shut down, I told my wife, I said, look, sweetheart, don't worry. In two weeks, it's all going to be back to, look, May 31st, we're all going to be, after this election, it's going to be back to, I was so wrong. In fact, guys, that's something we all, a happy husband always remembers to learn to say is, you were right, I was wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying 
Some of you guys are getting get married. Just remember that. My dad taught me that. Want a happy, happy life, happy wives. You were right. I was wrong. So, and I really was wrong on this one. In fact, we had some, some law firms initially and some law groups contact us who zealously wanted to file a lawsuit immediately to open the churches. And we said, no, everyone's shut, shut down just about. It's not going to work. We need a disparity here. And they filed their lawsuit and they lost. And it was terrible. It set us back months. Uh, but then the perfect time came when they opened up the restaurants, the shopping malls, closing stores, the pot shops, excuse me, marijuana dispensaries, um, sporting goods, you know, liquor stores. Everyone was opened up except churches. And they even tried to restrict our ability to, to sing on Sunday. I have to wear a mask when we're singing. And it's just ridiculous. And these were some of the, the, the dark blue states that were doing this. The red states were already back to recognizing churches were essential. Um, so we went ahead and we filed that lawsuit at that right time. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett was being nominated to the Supreme Court. Perfect timing. Federal judge rules against us. We appeal to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Yeah, I know. So we're going, yeah, good luck. But um, let me just remind you of something, though. In the Bible... If God can speak through a donkey, anyway, and we have seen some incredible victories uh, before the Ninth Circuit, like defending in God we trust and some other cases. But this was one case where the Ninth Circuit ruled against us. And so then the only thing left was the United States Supreme Court. And we filed for an emergency writ. And this was all laid out ahead of time by our chief counsel, Kevin Snyder, who's absolutely fantastic. So... He, we file for an emergency writ. Now, to let you understand how this works, to so file an appeal to the Supreme Court and have it heard is like w- less than one in a hundred probability. It's like throwing a, a Hail Jesus pass, you know, and you see, I modified that a little. Okay, anyway, Hail Je- okay. And so then uh, this is like throwing a Hail Jesus pass outside the stadium, across town, into the end zone of another stadium and getting a touchdown. It's like, practically impossible, like one in 10,000 chance. Well, Kagan, who is the justice over the Ninth Circuit, who does the, the thumbs up thing, she didn't do a thumbs down. She said, I'm gonna let the whole Supreme Court hear this. She brings the whole Supreme Court. They confer in the conference room. And in just three days, and by the way, great things happen in three days. See, Easter, okay, for those of you who didn't connect that, okay. Um, in just three days, the court came down six to three with the decision ordering Governor Gavin Newsom, the state of California, open those churches now. Praise God. And it sent ripples across America. We've had other interesting cases. We have a case right now in Oregon where foster Christians are being told that they cannot be foster parents in that state if they're Christians. Um, now, the reason they, they can't because they're Christians is because they're told that you have to be willing to affirm a lifestyle and, and sexuality and, and of, of kids, um, even though it goes completely against what Bible, the Bible teaches and what God's word teaches is really the loving and truth, truthful thing to do. So basically it disqualifies anyone who's a true follower of the Lord and, and a believer in God's word. Completely it disqualifies them. And we're suing to challenge that. Very important case. We have two teachers we're suing who were, had their own website and they were told that they couldn't uh, uh, have... Uh, they're, they, were, no, they were fired from their jobs as teacher because it was somehow someone found out they had a website where they were talking about radical policies like notifying parents if a child 
is having struggles and issues with sexual identity. Really? That's reason to, to fire teachers? So we, we don't get angry over these kinds of things. We just sue. So we, <laughs> we sent a demand letter, couldn't get it resolved, so then we sued. And then we, uh, we got their jobs back and we're still litigating to make sure this never happens again. Um, and we have uh, you know, a, a Korean-owned spa, a Korean spa up in Seattle area. And uh, it's a Christian-owned, family-owned. And Korean spas are where the men are in one area, separated completely with a wall and everything, from the women who are in a different area. And it's because they don't wear clothing. So you keep them separate. It's a Korean spa. Well, one man walks in, and you can guess it. He says, hey, I'm a woman. I want to go over there. They say, oh, heck no. There's mothers and their daughters over there. There's no way you're going over there. And statistically, let me just say, um, we need love and compassion for those who are struggling with gender identity disorder. It's a it's real mental condition. It's a lot of pain, a lot of, you know, most um, will take their lives. They will not live a long life. They need Jesus. They need healing. Um, but also, the overall majority, over 70%, are still sexually turned on by women, even though, as far as the men, still sexually turned on by women. So it's really very problematic, even if they have this dysphoria, to have them over here. So he left, and he filed a complaint. The Washington Human Rights Commission is now suing to take down this Christian-owned business. And we're stepped up, and we're representing them. Uh, our attorney Tracy Tribb is doing a great job up there in Oregon, in Washington. Uh, we had thousands of parents who were told that they t- their children have to wear a mask in Florida, uh, even though it went against the state law and the state mandate. This is Florida, different state, obviously. And uh, we've stepped in and we got all those parents liberated uh, on behalf of uh, the attorney out there, Alexander, who heads up our office there in Miami. And um, we now have offices all across the country by God's grace. Uh, 17 states. So, and by the way, if you want to keep up with our cases, <laughs> if you want to fill this out, that means a lot to me personally. It's in your bulletin. And if you want to, if you feel led, only if you feel led, uh, if you want to support us on a monthly basis, just check that little box there and we'll keep you guys updated. We have over 90 cases in active litigation right now, uh, which is a lot. 30% of our cases before the, uh, uh, the pandemic, 30% were criminal defense cases. Now, this is really weird because in law school, in criminal law class, my nickname, literally, my nickname was Brad Flip the Switch. The professor would say, so what does Brad Flip the Switch think about this? And I'd say, well, I think the taxi cab driver should get the death penalty too, and here's why. You know, um, I've moderated so, But uh, I was a dogmatic on this. So why am I doing criminal defense? I'll tell you why. Because those, all those cases that we're handling even still, these, the people we're handling all, are all in ministry or a pastor or a minister. They're all doing the same thing, uh, preaching the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus from the word. And they're doing it in public places, protected by the First Amendment, like in public sidewalks and public places, sharing and preaching. And um, so that's what we're doing. And it's, uh, it's keeping us very busy. So those are just some of the examples of what we're seeing facing in our society today when it comes to despisers of good. We see it in a, in a very in a massive way. Just yesterday, I was, I was on the, watching the news and uh, they had these massive hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating for the right to murder the helpless and the innocent. And I looked at that and I just, I just thought, wow, wow.
Um, and I do want to tell you, I am optimistic. I think tomorrow there's a very good chance that uh, the Supreme Court is going to go ahead and rule on the Roe versus Wade overturning it. I think it's going to be tomorrow. So let's pray for the justice and pray for their safety because if one of them is killed before it's released, then it's only four votes instead of five. And I think that's why they're going to come down with it early because every day they're not, they don't come down with it. Their lives are, are hanging in the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. Okay. So, um, where is it? Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong. This is verse four. Haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we have that in our society today? Same sex marriage decision when they ruled that they came down and ruled the Supreme Court that, uh, that individual sexual fulfillment was now a new fundamental right. And that opens the door for all kinds of, of stuff. Uh, even Justice Roberts in the dissenting opinion, that's basically what he said, because this opens up the door to all kinds of stuff. And, um, and that's when the court was, had, was a, had a Ginsburg and had a, a bare majority um, and the, uh, the, that was willing to shake its fist at God and said, we'd rather be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of you. And, um, and I'm very grateful we have, a, we have more Supreme Court justices that are more... Um, Faith-friendly, definitely more faith-friendly. Very grateful, very grateful for that. Um, let's see. Uh, having a, verse five, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Sort of wondered what that meant. Like, what does that mean, having a form of godliness but denying its power? Um, well, you know, I was on an airplane once, <laughs> and I'm the one that talks. You hear those people who talk? Well, half the time, that's me. So I talked to this guy, and religion comes up, and I said, so, so tell me, so do you mind me asking, do you have any religious belief? Any religious background? He goes, well, I'm not religious, but I am very spiritual. I mean, Satan's using that same line over and over again. So I thought, okay, fine. I'm going to cross-examine him. So I said, really? So uh, what, do you mean by, what do you mean by spiritual? He goes, well, I just, this is so typical. I just really feel one and at peace with the universe. I go, okay, and uh, what else? That's all. I thought, how sad. That's it? That's his faith? It's a cloud. It's a feeling. It's nothing. And yet, what do we have as believers, as followers of Jesus? We have the Holy Word of God, the most credible written piece of, of written history. We have something that where two-thirds, more than two-thirds of the prophecies have already been fulfilled. Uh, incredible. Reliable. Thank you, Lord. Um, we also have eyewitnesses. Talking about an ideal trial would be, would be Jesus' resurrection. And to be able to say, yes, uh, St. Peter, come to the stage, please. So did you see uh, G- Jesus risen from the dead? Yes. Did he say he was the son of God? Yes. And, um, and by the way, uh, you, what happened to you? Oh, you, you gave your life, you died, you know, okay, crucified. Okay, because why? Because you did not deny that Jesus had, had risen from the dead. Next one, John. Next one, Philip. I mean, Andrew. Boom, 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 boom. And then and how, on all the others who saw Jesus risen from the dead. And this was backed up by 39 historians at the ancient times validate this. Many of them were non-believers like Josephus. It's there. The evidence is there. It's Jesus risen from the dead. 
And then we also have as Christians, our own experiences. How many of you, maybe you're including yourself, have witnessed a transformation in people's lives through faith in Christ? And how many, raise your hand if you've seen that before. Okay, very real. Massive, our testimony today is very real. Um, Nice thought, positive thinking doesn't create transformation. Not like the Lord and the working of the Holy Spirit. So um, that's real. So having for godless benignance power, we see that massively. And from such people turn away. We need to evangelize and share the hope. But you're talking about people invading the church. So don't let them invade the church. And verse six through nine gives an an analogy of of that happening. For example, in in Moses' days, people who resisted Moses. Um, But for sake of time, let's go down to verse 10. So if you've been sort of dozing off at this point, because you're hungry for lunch or whatever, your, your glucose is getting low. Hey, I relate to that, so just so you know. Um, but right now we're going to talk about how you can have victory, how you can have victory. So it says, uh, this is our game plan, okay? This is our game plan to have victory with all this stuff happening. I'm really glad they didn't just stop there at verse 9, the end of verse 9, and say, so may the Lord be with you in these terrible times. He could have done that. No. Verse 10, it gives the blueprint. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose. Talked about purpose, remember? Faith, long-suffering. Ouch. What does that mean? Long. It means long-suffering. So he's telling us ahead of time, right? Then it says love, followed by perseverance, persecutions and afflictions. (laughs) How do you have love stuck in between long suffering and persecutions and afflictions? Does that make any sense? Doesn't to me in my flesh, there's no way I can love people when I'm going through long suffering and persecution and afflictions with them based on my own nature. My nature is to fight and resist and definitely not to love. And yet in Christ, we have a love that surpasses understanding. And it's powerful. And the more we are persecutors, uh, followers of Jesus, the more we're persecuted, the stronger that love shines and the stronger our testimony. No wonder the church grows so much in times of persecution. Our testimony becomes all the more brilliant and the love of Christ all the more evident and something that they don't have. Verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconum, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Verse 12, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We've seen this. There's examples um, that come to my mind. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. Who'd they learn them by, by the way? Who, who taught them? Uh, Timothy, who, who taught you? Oh, that's right. Eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection. Eyewitnesses, people who talk with Jesus, walk with Jesus, saw him ro- risen from the dead. This is really credible. Um, so, uh, risen from the dead. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, verse 16. Uh, oh, I said, no, verse 15. And that from childhood... You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So learning those Holy Scriptures, Timothy, from childhood, uh, is really going to pay off because it all points to Jesus. Now, verse 16, 
uh, verse 17. I'm going to tell you right now, apologize in advance for those of you who do not like absolutes, who are really into relativism. You're going to, these two verses are going to be highly offensive to you. Highly offensive. They're very powerful verses. It says, all, ver- all scripture, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All, okay? And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? is in verse 17. That the man of God, that's someone who knows God, okay? Someone who's come to a relationship with God through faith in Christ. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So just being a man of God is not enough to be thoroughly equipped. It's a man of God in the word, in the Bible. This is, this is what transforms us, is the word of God in scripture. So is it important? Yeah. Do you want to be transformed? Do you want God to work? In, yeah. The word's very important. Now, we can be religious about this. I used to do this. So I'd have my chapter a day. I did the chapter a day because that's the way I thought good Christians should do. One chapter a day. And then it'd be, I'd be late for school. I'd be late for work. I'd say, oh, oh, shoot. I didn't read my chapter. Okay, here. But notice the last days, perilous times will come. For men who loves them and loves them, but most of them. And you asked me what I read. I'd say, I don't know. I was too busy reading. Right? Um, maybe some of you have done that. Okay. That's, re- that's ritual. That's religion. That's not, that's not God. God wants a relationship. He wants us to listen, right? And that comes from reading. So you know what? We're gonna have some, we have freedom in Christ here. Let's say you don't have time to read the chapter. Read a few verses, but read them with, with a heart open to what God wants to tell you, right? Be open. Don't fall into that religious spirituality trap, that religiosity thing, because uh, I know I've been there. Verse, chapter four, verse one. Now we take it even to a higher level. Um, verse one says, I charge you therefore. So this is pretty important. He's charging us with something, right? I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. (laughs) Would you say verse two is pretty important? What is he charging us to do? He's charging us, go to church. No, no. Um, No, what does he say? He says, verse two says, preach the word. Preach the word. Um, And people say, well, that's pretty basic. But you know what? How many of us share the gospel? Paul was looking at the the last day. This is, you know, then, but also for for us. Oftentimes we don't share the gospel. Maybe several years has been since we've shared Jesus. Right? Or the hope that's within us. God wants us to be open not legalistically burdened, but open to how God might want to work and pray. One of the great first ways of starting to evangelize for someone is to start praying for them. That's what really works in my life is that when I start, if there's someone, I start praying for them and God will open it up as he, as his spirit deems. He wants us to be open to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. In season, when you see people come to Christ, that is so awesome. Out of season, when they want to hit you in the face, right? That's, that's, that's out of season. Still, preach the word. The apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22, they, they tore off their, their, their garments and threw dust into the air and wanted him scourged. <laughs> I mean, that was a, there was no room for an altar call there. I mean, that was terrible. But he still preached the word. 
He still preached the word. Uh, I remember a 17-year-old. He um, it was 18-year-old, and I was in a conversation with an 18-year-old once, and and he said something, and I responded, and he said, "Oh, are you a Christian?" And I go, "Yeah, are you?" And he goes, "No." And I said, well, what are you? He goes, you don't want to know. I thought, oh, yes, I do. Yeah, let's sit down and talk. He goes, well, since I started going to college, I learned some new ways of thinking. I said, really? Like, what may be right for you may not be right for me? Yeah. I know all things are relative. Yeah. And there are are no absolutes. Yeah. And I said, well, let me tell you that's wrong. Because I had had all this stuff, kindergarten through law school, all public education, all of it. Anyway, so... I sat down and talked with him, and I did the bridge diagram, you know, got on one side, man, the other, the cross and the bridge. I gave him more than a carpenter book, um, you know, did this, said this, testified, you know, all this stuff, and hello, anyone there? You know, just didn't go anywhere. It was sad, and I was so frustrated. Afterwards, my attitude was, what, my attitude was, what a waste of my time. What a waste of my time. I wish I hadn't wasted my time sharing with this kid. That was my attitude. 17 years later, he knocks on my door. I'm not home. He says, Brad, here. No, he said, well, Brad, share with me the gospel. I didn't listen. I ended up in prison, made some bad decisions. But while I was in prison, I remember what he shared with me. I surrendered my life to Christ. I'm now out of prison. I'm now in full-time ministry. And I just wanted to come by and thank him for spending that time with me. Now, when I heard this, the Lord didn't let me off the hook. Even though it was 17 years ago, it's funny how the Holy Spirit brought it all back. What a waste of my time. I wish I hadn't bothered with this kid. He's he's never going to hear that, you know. And I felt so convicted to realize how wrong I was in thinking that way. It's not about results. God's about results. God's about obedience for us. And no matter what happens, it's about obedience. So it goes on to say, convince, rebuke, exhort with all, here it comes again, long suffering. He's reminding us, okay, and teaching, and teaching, right? Um, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned uh, and, and be turned uh, turned aside to fables. Do we see that? We see churches with banners flying outside their churches with this defiance and um, just an open defiance against God. It giving what, telling people what they want to hear in order to pacify them, and that's not loving at all. I was on another plane trip next to someone, and I talking about it. So with your faith background, he goes, well, I, I go to such and such church. I won't say the denomination, but it's a solid denomination for the most part. He says, I go to such and such church, but my church is though is very progressive. And I thought, I know what he's saying. So your church believes that, that there's no hope in terms of sexual orientation and, and gender identity. That's just who people are and there's no hope for transformation. He says, yeah. He says, well, yeah, that, that's what we believe. I said, really, I'm so sorry to hear your church is so cold hearted. And that was pretty strong, I know. Um, he looked at me sort of surprised. He goes, cold-hearted, what do you mean by that? I said, well, your, your church believes that it teaches that there's no hope. There's no hope for transformation. There's no hope for healing and the work of God. And God's word's very clear about the power of God 
And he says, so I'm, it's, it's, I think it's very cold-hearted and a shame that your church does not teach the full word of God about the transforming, loving work and power of God in changing our lives. He goes, well, I never looked at it that way before. I want, anyway, I kept my mouth shut at that point. But, um, but that's the truth is that our God is powerful and can work. And it's not a loving thing to hold back the truth about how God knows where we are. He takes us all where we are, all of it. And he's able to, to work in our lives from right where we are. All we have to do is surrender to him and allow him to do it. Um, verse five, but you be watchful in all things. Don't just put your head in the sand and just say, okay, I'm gonna be just spiritual. I'm not gonna watch the news. I'm not gonna be where it's going on. I'm just gonna be real spiritual. No, God wants us to obviously to, to, to praise him, to rejoice in him, to acknowledge him in all things. But he also wants us to be watchful in all things, to be aware of what's going on so we can pray, so we can be intercessors and, and, and be involved. Um, it's so important. Be watchful in all things. That's another reason why I love to keep people updated with our cases um, because there's so much going on. Uh, endure, and I love like how you, once again, how you guys started your church with that, those news things. So smart. I love that because it's, it's part of being watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now, some people say, well, he's just talking to Timothy or he's just talking to, you know, people in full-time ministry, the pastors, like, you know, here, Pastor Frank, way to go. We're all going to pray for Pastor Frank. He's, he's the man, you know, it's, no, no. He's talking to everyone who answers yes to the following questions. Number one, are you a Christian? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And number two, is your heart beating? Because if your heart's beating and you receive Jesus, then he has a purpose for you. Otherwise, our loving Heavenly Father would take you home. A loving Heavenly Father would not keep anyone, I think, here on earth if there wasn't a purpose for his glory and for his pleasure. I think he'd take us home. He's a gracious God. What we have waiting for us is so much better than what we have down here. So we're here for his glory and for his purpose and for him to, to work through us. Sometimes we say, well, God can't really work through through me because I don't really have abilities or skills or things like that. I remember my adopted grandma, when she became blind, um, we sort of adopted her into our family. So we called her our adopted grandma. She was sort of depressed. She said, I can't do anything for the Lord. I says, are you kidding? Now that you're blind, you don't have any distractions. You can be a prayer warrior and an intercessor like never before for the kingdom. She goes, you're right. And then she reached a point where she couldn't even really pray and concentrate to pray. And I said, can you say Abba? Can you say daddy? Can you acknowledge God? She goes, yeah, I can do that. It's awesome. God just loves it when we acknowledge him. It's like when you're a little toddler, your baby, when you first said, dada, what'd you, how'd you respond? <laughs> what? That's it? <laughs> go talk to your mother. I'll, when you can sentences all, no, what'd you do? You picked him up and go, yeah, dada, not mama, dada, <laughs> right? And then someone told me that they say dada because it's easier than mama. Then they say, anyway. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. I'm going to believe the other. I'm going to think it's good. Anyway. But that's how Father delights it when we just acknowledge him. That's the kind of loving Heavenly Father we have. So just acknowledging him is, 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 is important. Uh, but some of you are still saying, well, I still don't think God can use me. Uh, I'm just give you a quick story. It's about a, a 16-year-old who was a Christian, received Jesus as Lord and Savior, but he was driving to school one day on a, on a highway and a little Opal GT and 
a motorcycle was passing cars going the other direction, hit him head on. The motorcycle went smashing through the windshield and smashed through his skull. It was a very gruesome accident. I just ruined some of your appetites maybe for lunch. Sorry about that. But it was very gruesome. Um, they had to cut a large hole for the brain just for the brain to swell out. About a third of his brain was hemorrhaging. The left part of the brain was used with logic, uh, reasoning, speech communications. Uh, that's what was impacted, the bread and butter part is what I put it. That's the way I put it. But anyway, um, he couldn't remember his brother's name at first. He was in ICU, critical condition. The doctors told his parents, quote, um, your son has had major brain damage. Even if he lives, he still could be a vegetable. You may still have to pull the cord, end quote. As far as the world was concerned, this boy and his future was in the trash, gone. Only be pitied for what could have been. And yet Californians, our God is a great recycler. He loves to take that which the world throws away and do something new. And that's just what he did with this young, young boy. Um, he had uh, tremendous miracles and, and healing. He went on uh, to attend uh, Texas A&M University School of Business, put himself through school where he got a 3.86 in his major, which was finance, logic, reasoning, analytical thinking. Worked a couple of years, put himself through one of the top 20 law schools, graduated in the top half of his class. And, um, and I know him very well. Otherwise, I would never believe this because the kid is me. Um, I'm the one that had the brain damage. And, um, and before you say, verily, verily, for that is the Lord's special anointed one in the Lord. Shall... No, no, no. I'm married. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you after 20 years how crooked my halo is. In fact, guys, if you have a problem with egos, just get married. That'll take care of a lot of it. I'm just saying. Um, but the point is, is that it's, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's all about him. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. And there's so much freedom that comes in Christ and we just open our lives to whatever God wants to do. And, uh, and God will often uh, take those that the world sees the, most, the least hope in to work in because he's glorified all the more um, in, in his grace and, and power and, and, and mercy. Um, so uh, the fact is God can work through all of us if we just let him and humble ourselves to him and cling to him. Uh, verse 6. Uh, he's on his deathbed, practically speaking. In verse 16, he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I'm about to die. Verse seven, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Oh, don't you want to be able to say that on your deathbed? And notice there's no, there's no results. I didn't say I saw 100 people come to Jesus. I did this, I did this. No, results is a God thing. He's really worthy of all glory, all honor, and all praise. Really. So this is about an obedience. Just enduring, not giving up, not giving up. There may be days and you may want to just throw in the towel. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just keep, keep living, keep pressing on, and uh, living for the Lord, and walking with the Lord. And your time will come. Your time will come. If not through the rapture, then, then otherwise. Uh, but either way, this is what I want to say when I die. And verse eight, finally, finally, there's laid up for me. This is our last verse. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, Paul. <laughs> I know your name used to be Saul. And I know you used to be the Osama bin Laden of the early church. 
You're the living nightmare. There's a reason no one would invite you to a Bible study because you would arrest him and put him behind bars. And you, you held the robes of those throwing the stones at the first martyr, Stephen. You, you are entitled to the crown of righteousness? Yes, why? Because of whose he is, not because of who he is. Because he, has, he put his faith in Jesus Christ to deliver him and forgive him of his sins. And it's because of who's he is. He is a child of God through faith in Christ. And God uh, recognizes and sees that and separates that sin. Now, but what about the rest of us though? Oh, he takes care of that too. He says, comma, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, notice this is a heart condition. So let me just say, let's pretend for a moment, and we're almost done. Let's pretend for a moment that we know that Jesus, for a fact, is coming tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Now, I know no one knows the day and the hour. Got that. Okay. I was corrected on that one. So, okay. No one knows that. But let's just say hypothetically that we did know. What would you be thinking and feeling right now? Would it be, awesome, God's coming tomorrow. Jesus is going to come tomorrow. Woo, I got to call my Aunt Myrtle. I don't think she's saved. How about, you know, um, would, it, would that be your response? A confident rejoicing? Or would it be, um, oh, shoot, I've got a big real estate t- deal tomorrow at 2.30. I mean, this is, or would it be even maybe more likely, oh, shoot, I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if he's going to take me. I mean, I've got this sin, this shame and sin. In fact, no one even knows about it, maybe, but I know about it. Well, first of all, just for the record, we all have shame. We all have that dark closet, okay? All of us. But you say, but this is so dark. I, I, how can God forgive me for this? Because I can't even forgive myself. And so you've never received Christ, God's forgiveness through faith in Christ. Maybe you've tried to play it out by being religious. Maybe by going to church, tithing. Maybe you went to confirmation. Maybe you've gone to confession. Maybe you've done all these things, trying to appease God. But you know what you're really saying when you're saying, I don't think God can forgive me for this? It's like walking up to Jesus on the cross. And picture Christ on the cross dying for your sins with a crown of thorns, bleeding, gasping, in pain and agony with his hands, with stakes in him. And he's dying on the cross. And we walk up to him and we say, nice try, Jesus. But you see, for me, that's just not good enough. And his response to that lie, I believe, was, would have been when he said, it is finished. And all we have to do in humility is to receive his, his covering of our sins on the cross and his victory through his resurrection. And he'll separate that sin as far as the east is from the west. And we can become children of the living God and surrender our lives to him and be followers of Jesus through the workings of the Holy Spirit. And it's right here, right now, Maybe you're someone, when I just shared that, you just felt the Lord just t- tugging to your heart, like just hitting you. You know it if you have. Realize that, that conviction. And we're going to give you a chance right now to become a follower of Jesus, to be washed clean from the sins of your past and future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you that you're on the throne, that we can put our hope and trust in you. No matter what we're facing in this world, Lord God, we have no excuse to be anxious because uh, you're here. You love us. And uh, your promises of your word assure us of the outcome and your presence in our lives.
Give us that love, Father, to reach out to a world around us that is so deceived and, and being led, away, led astray, Father. Give us that love to pour out and to share the hope that's within us. Father, we also pray for those who, who don't really know you in a personal way. Maybe they've been religious all their lives. They've gone and done just different activities and rituals and, and, uh, and, and different whatnot, but they know deep down they really don't have a personal, real relationship with you of a loving Heavenly Father, an Abba, a daddy who, who, who loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. And the reason is because they just can't receive that forgiveness. And yet right now, Lord, maybe they're ready. And uh, with every head bowed right now, if you're one of those people, just with every head bowed, just say this prayer right now with me. Just say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. You know my shame. You know my past. Right now, in faith, I'm receiving your forgiveness, your covering of my sin on the cross through Jesus dying on my behalf and, and, and bearing the, the, the penalty of my sin on the cross for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for letting me have a relationship with you. I surrender my life to you right now. Thank you for being my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to tell you, Satan is really ticked off because he just lost his hand of dominion over your life. And so you know what he's hoping now? He's hoping now that you're going to forget what just happened. He's, going to, he's hoping you're going to forget that you just became a child of the living God and that God has a plan and purpose to work in your life and to work through your life. That's what he's hoping. So to make sure we give him a, a double black eye this morning, um, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But uh, I'm going to say this. Jesus just died on the cross for you. So I'm just going to ask you to do one thing. If, uh, if you could simply raise your hand so we can clap and welcome you into God's family here this morning. Uh, he just died on the cross for you. All I'm asking you to do is to raise your hand to acknowledge that you just received it, his forgiveness. Did anyone this morning pray that prayer to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? If so just raise your hand right now and we'll clap. Raise your hand. Praise God. Over there. Praise God. Anyone else? Raise your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. All right. Well, saints, let's just remember that it's, it's not who we are, it's whose we are. And that God, by his grace through Jesus, has given us an opportunity to live for him this day and this hour. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.